nigga live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. Episode 138 of the Brew Hoop Podcast. My name is Riley Phelps, and I am one of the regular co-hosts of the podcast, staff member at the site. Uh, and the usual disclaimer, if you hear my voice, Adam's not here. Adam is gone because I believe he said he has a rampant couch surfer friends or not, something along those lines uh, in Philadelphia this weekend, which is fine. We'll cover for you, Adam. Uh, joined as usual by Kyle Carr. Kyle, how are you doing? I am good. It's cold. It is really cold, so that's that's all I got. Beautiful. Same up here. It's really bad. And uh, making her podcast debut. This is exciting and very exciting when we have a staff member hop on for the first time. It's Julie. Julie, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. How are you guys? Cold. Good. Otherwise, yeah, I mean, insane. yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like this week was kind of the okay we are really in the regular season kind of thing yeah. <laughs> kind of it was, it's like that kind of week but yeah when you get an excess amount of jordan war minutes you're like okay we're deep in now we're starting to get into the trenches a little bit well we'll get into that uh in the podcast here um julie since this is your first time on the podcast uh we usually throw a couple questions at newbies so uh, you've been on the staff for a while now and uh, for those who oddly enough, would listen to the podcast more than read the site, which I'm sure there might be one or two people out there. Why don't you tell the listeners uh, what you typically write at the site, and then as a get-to-know-you, your favorite non-Yanis book, past or present? I'll answer the buck one first. Um, I think I'll go to the past, and I'll dig up Carlos Delfino from nowhere. Delfino, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is a good shout. <laughs> <laughs> I also comment on seem to bring back Dan Gads reach a lot. I guess that's like when I started watching a lot, just like when they were really bad. So like you know, I've been here through before they were champions and had Giannis, and we're you know what they are today. I think so. I think it's a good yardstick though because there are different eras of how bad we were because we were bad for that long you're like was i bad we're like was i around when we were dan gad's reach bad or was i around when we were carlos delfino bad so uh. well god's reach has been around the longest of any buck who is in michael red currently on the bucks or in the rafters oh which is dear crazy. god <laughs> What? what it doesn't surprise <laughs> me it doesn't surprise me though that's the weird part i feel like he was always just good enough and the bucks were bad so it's like it, he wasn't bad enough that you couldn't justify not play him he had some qualities i don't know what that dude's doing now but yeah i could look that up he's he's <laughs> he was like Maybe good enough for the end. somebody was like somebody's got to get these contract dollars and uh dan you're already here so you might as well just stick around another season Good for that guy. We got we got to get anyone that wants to be here, yeah. and you want to be here. Yeah. Granted, we have to give you a lot. The GM of money. kept signing him. It's not his fault. We kept offering the money, so it's not his fault if he accepted. Oh God, would it have been like Ernie Grunfeld or something? Harris. Larry Harris, maybe. I feel like it was yeah, it's not like a Larry Harris yeah. kind of move. Yeah, those are yeah, those are like the John before John Horst. What John Hammond yeah. was decent. Yeah, he was Carlos Del Pol just wouldn't let him do stuff. Yeah. Well, but he's not Giannis. Those are, and I also do yeah. the extended forecasts, and I 
do some spot articles, like just like kind of previewing the NBA as in a whole, you know, um, like there's like a summer one. I think I might do one for the all-star break again this year. I've only been on for just over a year now. Yeah. yeah, no, I would highly recommend if you are a brew hoop reader or listener in this case, and you're looking for kind of a wider outlook than just what we're doing. Cause you know, our articles, they focus on us and whoever the opponent is. I'll sometimes throw in the occasional link to other blogs and stuff, but um, Julie definitely covers further beyond just Milwaukee, which I think is helpful just because the number of times that an opponent comes in, I'm like, who, who's even on this team? Uh, and then this will kind of help bridge that gap for you. So highly recommend it for anybody. And thank you for hopping on the podcast. We appreciate it. Yeah, sure. So this week uh, I wrote the working title for this podcast is, Oh no, we suck again. Uh, the undefeated season is no more 82 and Oh, it's gone up in smoke. 81 and one also went up in smoke. We lost two games for the first time in a week in a long time. Uh, so we'll start with that very first faithful loss. That was a 98 to 117 loss to the Atlanta Hawks in Atlanta. No Trey Young for Atlanta. He was on the sidelines dressed like a cartoon character. He had the sunglasses and triple chains going on, which I salute just for the <laughs> the aesthetic. Uh, Giannis, 25 points, 9 to 20 shooting, 7 rebounds. Drew, so-so, 16 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds. The bench did almost nothing. Um, AJ Griffin for the Hawks came off the bench at 24 points for rebounds and he was pretty solid on defense uh, and then DeJounte Murray uh, the Hawks offseason acquisition 25 points shot a lot 11 to 24 11 assists and eight rebounds a whole bunch of other guys Kyle what was the through line to you in our first loss of the season what uh, what jumped out at you how the second half just compl- how they how the second half just was a complete mess and I can't fully, I still have not been able to put my finger on what exactly went wrong. Besides Atlanta got hot in the third quarter. That's the only thing I can come up with. Because after the first quarter, I was like, okay, Bucks are up 11. They're cruising. This seems like things will be fine. And even when it got to halftime, it was like, okay, they're still up by, I think it was like five or six. So things are okay. You know, obviously, you know, this is going to go well. It felt like it. The Hawks didn't have Trey Young. It's pretty much can you contain Deontay Murray? And then I, I don't know what happened in that third quarter. Um, that was just a mess. I don't know who AJ Griffin is. I salute to him. Um, Twenty four points off the bench is always very helpful. Deontay Murray that got his shots and scored. I, it was just odd because it's not like Atlanta shot the three ball. It's not like Atlanta was red hot from three they're 11 to 29 so it wasn't as though they were just bombing threes and making them milwaukee took 43s for example it, it's not like the hawks were getting to the line it, it, it's not the hawks weren't getting to the free throw line a lot there was no logical explanation of what happened in that second half it just was a bad half and that's all you can really tip your hat to Giannis didn't shoot the best so which kind of hurt Milwaukee. And as you mentioned, Riley, the bench didn't really do anything. It was like Bobby Portis had a couple buckets, but kind of felt like he disappeared in the second half. Um, yeah, I, I think it was just pretty much whatever Bud said at halftime did not work. It did not work. He went in there. Yeah. He was like, guys, just get out there and vibe as usual. And then they're like, OK, we're just not going to play then. Yeah, it. um it was strange because they were up six and the offense wasn't excellent in the first half, but it was passable. 
And in the second half, for whatever reason, the wheels kind of fell off. This is going to be a theme throughout all three games, especially the ones without Giannis and Drew, um, which we'll talk about in a minute. But at times, our Mickey Mouse offensive strategy, where it's kind of like, okay, Drew or Giannis, kind of create something if if that wasn't working. uh, And it wasn't because they were throwing a lot of defenders at Giannis, especially Atlanta has a lot of lengthy defenders. Not having Trey Young out there makes it difficult in a certain sense, because that's not a guy you could easily target on offense. And it was strange watching our defense play because this was the first team, I think, all year who had the athletic young guys run around a lot, and that seemed to work for them. It was the defense could never really get set, especially in the second half, like either in fast break or past one side of the wing to the other, and the defense is totally off. Giannis making some odd choices. It was just a bit bewildering and I think maybe there was so much ball movement or so many times that the Hawks were attacking the paint that the defense couldn't help itself and overcommitted. We've, we've kind of prided ourselves on the whole, we don't overcommit. We don't crash. We don't help too much in this case, just because you are trying to keep with your man who's driving to the rim, you have no choice, but okay, now I'm stuck here. Okay. Now I'm stuck here. Whoever the defender is and that, you know, you're not able to really close out. And then I think, DeJounte Murray, I don't know if he's much of a three-point shooter. Um, he was three and nine. Like, you know, a couple of guys were okay. Justin Holiday was okay. So they hit just enough threes for it to matter. But this was very straightforward for the Hawks. This is how they play. They don't shoot threes. Like, they just don't do it. And you would think that would play into Milwaukee's hands, but it really didn't. Um, yeah, DeJounte Murray is this season shooting 32.5% from three, and his career is 32.9. Yeah, so he's whatever. He's not great. That's Giannis numbers. Those are Giannis numbers. And yet, in spite of that, still not a great shooting night from him, but able to create for other guys at least. Uh, Julie, how about you? Is there anything that jumps out at you from the Hawks game? Well, I think Deontay Murray is an all-star, and I think we forget that um, just because of how he was like hiding in San Antonio. But he put up like not a triple-double, but he was like a 25-8-8 last season, and he's someone the Hawks brought in, so he's not a slouch. Like... I think he and Trey Young, when they're both on there, could put the Hawks as like one of the better backcourts in basketball. Um, but yeah, I mean, I saw the highlights for the Hawks game, so I didn't get to see the whole thing. But, you know, I saw that we were up a lot and then we fell apart. And another thing that I noticed was Mamu got six minutes. <laughs> So that's, that's that should be not a good I was sign. Say, that that's, that's a red red flag city. Yeah, that that is the we surrendered. It was the game was over by then. Rest the guys. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking just looking at yeah, go for it. The plus minuses. Like I was gonna say, yeah. Carter and Giannis were both minus twenty plus, um, and then Allen and Lopez were also over minus plus fifteen. Um, Drew was only at minus three. So I think him going down, which is when I started being able to hear the game, at least on the radio, I think that could have been a place where we're like, okay, this game might just not go well anymore. It might be time for it. You know, maybe we'll let this one slide. And unless you think Philadelphia is going to become good, which is very expectable, possible, I think, the Hawks are the best team we've played. So getting a loss to the Hawks in the first 10 is probably the one I would have picked to be the most like 
acceptable, especially the road one. Yeah. Do you guys see this? The Hawks is like a legit threat to the Bucks. Is there anything about this that's concerning? Uh, we're going to play him again tomorrow or today when this podcast <laughs> drops. But, um, you know, is there anything about the Hawks in particular that gives you pause for the Bucks, Kyle? I think they're a team that can give Milwaukee fits. I would still pick the Bucks to win in a seven game series if it came down to it, but maybe it would take it would take probably six games, and I think it would be I think every game would be competitive. It would just depend on how effective Milwaukee's defense can be on a healthy Trey Young and a Deontay Murray. So, I, I mean, they're not a bad like like Julie mentioned. They're not a bad team. Deontay Murray is not a slouch. I mean, I think the Hawks are currently sitting think top three in the east or something like they're doing really they're doing pretty well yeah they're sitting third in the east so i'm not quite surprised that this was a loss it's just one of those where given milwaukee's offense just kind of stalled out and how they lost i it leaves a little bit of a sour taste but i would still trust milwaukee to beat atlanta in a seven game series but they're probably they're probably going to be a playoff team whether depending on other factors like Cleveland, and if one of these other teams can get pretty hot, like a Miami, if Miami and Philly kind of get it together, like we expect them to, to an extent, I mean, the Hawks will probably host a, they'll probably get a three, they'll probably be a three or four seed. Yeah. I wouldn't worry too much just because, like I said, they do not shoot a lot of threes whatsoever. And yes, that mid range and attacking the rim is not something that the defense that we play is used to, but over the course of a series, unless the Hawks really shifted up and knowing our luck, they would make like 75% of their threes when they decide to hoist 50 of them. But assuming they stick to their principles, I'd feel pretty set. And then the offensive struggles again, same for all three games, really in a lot of ways, not as worried when Giannis and Drew are out there, Chris is out there, Pat's available. Joe Ingles in theory is available. Like, AJ Green, obviously, when AJ's back, uh, I think that's going to help supercharge the <laughs> offense. So, uh, agreed. There, it, it'll be interesting playing them again tomorrow or tonight, depending on when you listen to this, because it'll be pretty quick turnaround and will be like the eighth time we played the Hawks in two weeks. But it feels <laughs> like um, so. Yeah, there's uh, Julie. Do you have one more? Any more thoughts? Oh, um, I'm surprised you have the Hawks at the three or four seed. That's a bit surprising. I'm just thinking the other Eastern teams. I mean, Boston's currently the two seed and Milwaukee's the one seed. And I expect Boston and Milwaukee to continue setting the pace. And then you're kind of thinking of the other teams that are hovering around there. Washington. I am not sold on Washington. I feel like this happened last year. Washington started off relatively fine and then they fell off a cliff. Cleveland is definitely a team that looks pretty good. So that might be a team that contends with the Hawks for that three seed. But Toronto... I don't know. Like Toronto, I feel like it's going to be good, not great. I thought the Pacers was, were supposedly tanking, and here they are sitting in seventh. We'll see how that changes midway through the season. The Bulls are not a threat. The Nets are a dumpster fire of chaos. The Knicks are inconsistent. And then you have the 76ers and Heat, which I think those are teams that we all expected to do better. And they just have, and they're doing better than they, than at the start of the season, but it's still not convincing. So I think with, that that and I mean Atlanta's only two games ahead of Miami and uh, Philly. They're sitting eleven and twelfth in the conference respectively. So it's not as though the gap is that yeah. large. But I don't know. I I just feel like when you look at all the other teams, you kind of think, okay, which team is 
who are legit teams, and I would trust the Hawks. I trust the Hawks more as opposed to like a Wizards or the Pacers. Oh yeah, in the in my season predictions, I had the Hawks tied with the Heat only because I trust the Heat have having been there before. But I, looking at them, the Hawks feel like a better team to me. And I think we're starting to kind of see that. But I wouldn't be surprised if Miami started pulling miracles out of wherever again, you know. But they're just yeah. that's just such an old team. They don't have any depth. So I don't trust Miami compared to the Hawks. So of that division, at least, Atlanta scares me. But, I mean, Boston, Cleveland, and I think Philly is going to figure it out. I just have that feeling, but I can't. I can't let that happen. <laughs> My personal. I, I just think they'll hatred. figure it out. <laughs> For James Harden, will not allow it. Yeah, they're they're an interesting. They're that young team who's sort of on the cusp, and we'll see whether or not they get like a veteran or something, or how they gel. But um, that's more fodder for next week's podcast. Uh, after that, another young team that is almost certainly not on the cusp because they'd really rather not be the OKC Thunder. This is the marquee game of the week, not only because the Bucks won, not only because of double OT, but because three guys, no fewer than three guys, qualified for this to be their game in all caps. So I wrote this down. So Bucks win, double OT, 136-132. We got three people, three candidates. One, the Javon Carter game. 36 points, 15-27 from the floor, 5-10 from three with 12 assists. The Brooke Lopez game, 24 points, 13 rebounds, 5 blocks, Pretty much the only guy who could score in the fourth quarter, end of the fourth quarter, in overtime. And finally, the Marjan Beauchamp game. 19 points, 8 rebounds, 2 steals. Julie, of the three who are who are deserving of having this known as their blank game, who jumps out to you as most deserving of the three? Well, I thought when Marjan got 14 points that game, I thought that was his game. <laughs> so, like, I think, you know, I can't look at a rookie – since Giannis between him and Bochamp and see anybody I've had any kind of excitement for, except, I mean, I'm we just haven't had great rookies, I guess, in between Giannis and now. This is, this is Dante, Dante DiVincenzo erasure we're hearing on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was, he was all right. I don't know if he ever put up 19, but as a rookie, but, I have no idea. No. Um, so I, I'm going to yeah. give it to Carter. That 36 is, you know, making him look like he's Vince Carter out there. So, hey, that's pretty about. good. Okay. My dad was like, "Is that Vince Carter's son?" I'm like, <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I gotta look into that. That's good. Uh, okay, Kyle, how about you? Who of the three is your candidate or your winner for their blank game? I mean, when you answer the question of like, when did you think you had it, and your answer is when I woke up, it is your <laughs> game. So it is Javon Carter. Yeah, I'd have to say so, too. Um, the other two are obviously very deserving, but Javon Carter has played way above his head from what I think anybody would have expected getting all these minutes. And by the fourth quarter, some of the shots he was taking and making, I was like, this is just stupid. Like, <laughs> he just kept calling his own number. I was like, this seems like a mistake. And even Marcus Johnson on the broadcast, he was getting really, like, really excited every time Javon got the ball and be like, oh, what's he going to do? And then he would like pass up a three dribble through three defenders and then hit the like turnaround <laughs> it was like you know i wouldn't expect that many more games like that from javon but yes he was probably most deserving uh other kind of through lines from this game um 
offense was a little satanic at times is what I wrote down, at least the portions that I was really paying attention for. The biggest thing was both teams had a pretty big mismatch going both directions. So the Bucks could not stop Josh Giddy from getting rebounds, especially the fourth quarter, closing it out. Um, and even a little bit into the first overtime, the number of times where sh- the initial defense of Javon Carter on Shai Gilgis Alexander would be solid. And then Grayson Allen, who gives up four or five inches to Josh Giddy, would not be able to box out or keep him out from getting the rebound. And then the Thunder would get a second opportunity and then score. Uh, that went a long way to getting the 8-0 run that the Thunder had to tie it at the end of regulation. Uh, and then for the Bucks on offense, Brooke Lopez without Giannis out there, a lot of interior shots here. Uh, I think I can't I, not even going to try to pronounce it, but the Montenegrin guy or whatever for the Thunder, Poku. Uh, he's like, I think it's like... Poku Sevsky? Yes, yes. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, he, That's the closest I'm going to get. Pokachevsky. Yeah, uh, we're not going to embarrass ourselves by trying to <laughs> get the pronunciation, but him, um, kind of like a thin rail type, but he got a lot of minutes to close and could shoot a little bit. Could not stop... Brooke Lopez at all. The Thunder had to throw a lot of doubles at him. And even then, Brooke Lopez was making a lot of shots. This was a throwback game for him. Um, so best thing is he executed in a tight game. I think the Thunder should be really disappointed that we didn't have Giannis or Drew, who both sat, uh, and we still won on the road, which is, you know, uh, strange. And we, we had a pretty sizable lead up until literally the final 45 seconds when uh, we did our best to give the game away through turnovers and bad shot selection. But um, main thing is that you win. Kyle, how entertaining was it to you? Honestly, I joined about midway through the third quarter, and I was like, okay, this is what I kind of expected this game to be like. A back-and-forth affair between these two teams. One's missing, two of their best players. The other is actively tanking. It has 90 million first-round picks. And then it got to the fourth quarter, and it got to about five minutes, and the Bucks were up, I think, like 12. Mm-hmm. And then that's what I think, okay, cool. We're, we're closing this out. Good job. Let's let's go home. Even when it got to like two minutes, they were up like eight. I was like, all right, this is what we this is what we wanted. And then just the absolute nonsense of that three going in. I was like, just the nonsense of how it ended. I was like, okay, whatever. We go into overtime. I was like, all right, cool, cool. Let's do this again. And then I thought, no, this game is when when he. Alexander made that three with like twenty with uh like a second left in overtime. I was like, okay, game over, whatever. Bucks lost, that's fine. And then Brooke gets the free throws <laughs> and misses, misses the first. And I was like, are you kidding me? So then it's just like this is dumb. This game is absolutely dumb. There's no reason for this game to continue on. And it finally got to the second overtime. The Bucks got it together enough, but I don't know. This was one of those games where. It was comedy. Um, the expectations were low. This was the ultimate. I'm just here. If you if you watch this game from start to finish, well done to you. I, I would not have done that. Um, and I think the biggest standpoint is if you're a Thunder fan, I think you got to be very happy with that game because you showed fight and you looked good, but you still lost. So your chances of getting went by Miana, Miana, sorry, I can't. French dude. Yeah. Your your chances increase with that, so good on you. For that like that's a win win for both. Uh, the Bucks get their win, and the Thunder continue for the tank race. 
You're right. That is. Could you imagine everyone there? They're really excited, and then they lost, and everybody's in the car on the way home. Like, yeah, that, that was the best. That was the best game of the season. <laughs> um, Everyone's secretly like, oh, thank God. They have some wins. They do. I think they had a stronger start, and like five. Yeah, SGA has been quite good. Uh, they're not going to win enough for him to be an all star, but he's a legit guy. Whether or not he's still a member of the Thunder after the trade deadline is an open question. So we're going to see about that. Uh, Julie. Any any other through lines and the other thoughts? Yeah, the the closing sequences of Brooke with the stupid inbounds. Uh, they were throwing like uh, Lou Dortz at Javon Carter at the end of the fourth quarter in overtime because that's how good Javon Carter, like one of the best like overall yeah. defenders in the league. Like it's just if you wanted something in basketball, you got it from this game. It was chaos plus violence. Yeah, well. You know, just like with how we didn't have any of our big three, we didn't have, and this also applies to the Spurs too, which we'll get into later, but, you know, we didn't have Pat, we didn't have Ingles, and, you know, it just makes me wonder, like, how good are these players that are, like, putting up, like, it just shows, like, some of their numbers that they get, like, they might have to get, you know? just because they're getting all these minutes. So, like, I just wonder how overrated are some of these players versus how good are they? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a classic. Guys have to play, and they they have to get usage one way or the other. And so it's like, yeah, oh. Like when Mamu scores, like, 27 or whatever. You yeah. know, like, is that because he's been out there for 45 minutes? <laughs> or who was that yeah. point guard who played for 48 the whole game last year? Like, at the oh, end? Um, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Um not Frazier, Tim, yeah, Tim Frazier. There it is, Tim Frazier. Yeah, Tim Frazier. Yeah. yeah, like, I mean, he was good at Penn State, but Penn State was always has always been trash at basketball. So I don't know, but um, going to college, I guess for that one. But I also noticed that, like, just looking at it, something weird that kind of sticks out to me is that they started somebody who only played for twelve minutes. So, like, I just don't understand why he's starting if they don't think he's good enough to play more than 12 minutes. Um, but, and then, yeah, with the with the game, I got off work at 8. So then I started listening on the way home. It was, I think they were up pretty big. It was looking good. I went to eat, watched the rest of the game. And then they somehow, like, tied it while I was coming in and, like, putting everything away. And then I'm like, okay, well, I get to watch overtime while I eat. And then Gil just hits that three point one. And I'm like, okay, or like whatever amount of time there was. I'm just like, I don't have time to watch another overtime. Mm-hmm. But actually, I they were down one. I'm like, okay, that's the end of the game. I don't need to watch the last four seconds. So I went up and turned on my phone like later. And I'm like, how did they win? <laughs> How did they win that? Brooke Lopez you know, magic. I, he was like, he not only is like, I'm going to get a chance at the line, but I'm also going to send these Thunder fans home happy by missing and giving them another five minutes of competitive basketball to watch. Uh, yeah, it was it was an odd game. Good good win without uh, Drew and Giannis. Um, but yeah, it was all over the place. Uh, final game of the week. Less good. We lost 93-111 to the San Antonio Spurs in San Antonio. Uh, Bucks historically struggle in san antonio so that's not all that shocking uh, javon carter slow start to the game but another 21 points uh six assists brooke had 19 points bobby had 16 points 12 rebounds um 
Bucks shoot 33% overall as a team. What the hell are you going to do with that? Uh, this was the one game where between being exhausted from the Thunder game and then not having anybody who can actually reliably create offense, really, uh, except unless they're like, unless they're, oh, no, okay, all right, push back. But I mean, you know, isolation, doing like a step back is, to me, I don't look at that as like creating offense. It's just getting like a silly shot. Oh, Wes Matthews got a plus four in that game. Did he? Didn't he not make a single yeah. shot? Nope. He, has, he had yeah, two free throws. <laughs> two points, two points, yeah, two points, two blocks, three steals, an assist, two rebounds in 22 minutes, and he got a plus four. But I I do, was or was this, yeah, this was the Spurs game. It looked like we were kind of hanging around there for a while, and then they just kind of carried it away just from the recap that I watched. Yeah. Like it always seemed like it was minus seven to minus 16, like the lead um, for the Spurs. And eventually, like once I started listening, of course, on the way home from work, I heard like some Keldon Johnson three and Dave Keen's like, now it's eight ninety nine to 81. And I'm like, okay, should I keep listening or should I switch back to music? So that's what happened for me with that game. But I also see a minus 52 combined from Noir and Bochamp. So that was not Bochamp's game. Like It was not. Yeah, it was not. It was not Jordan. Or, or Jordan Noir's game. Jordan Noir was absolutely god-awful. And he continues to be one of the worst players I've ever seen. I don't know what he's doing, right? The number of times he tried to attack the rim and he just he doesn't go up with any force whatsoever and it just got absolutely stuffed and that or he would drive stumble a little and then that would be the end of the offensive possession uh i remember being excited about him a little because i thought like we all were who didn't donovan like before when he was drafted like wasn't donovan mitchell from louisville and he kind of followed in his footsteps with that kind of role mm-hmm. so i'm like he wasn't as good of course but like i was like could we have a steal here you know, maybe a Brogdon or something. Nope. No. I figured War would at least be a, you know, you could throw him in for like five to ten minutes, let him just get a microwave, and if he's got it, you keep going. If you don't, you bench him. And we're not getting that, and we're not getting any semblance of defense, and I think that's the bigger issue, at least with Bochamp. It's, you can point to there is defensive potential there. There is something, there's a reason why I can see it working. With more, it's like, if he can't hit, if he's going to shoot this badly, there's you can't play him in normal situations when you don't have half your team injured. Moore's um, plus minus was like, ne- his like negative was like more than his field goal percentage. And it was almost as high as his minutes. So that's how bad he was. Like his field goal percentage was 23 and he got a minus 28. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to pull up. This is this is cruel. But if Jordan War is going to get the minutes and get paid millions of dollars, then we're going to go after it. Let's see here. He made a his shooting for this week. Um, he played, you know, like decent amount of minutes. Averaged like 23 minutes a game this week. Uh, he combined to shoot a total of like five and thirty, five of thirty, or like five of twenty-five from the floor. Are we getting into Shemi Ojale bad with Jordan Wara? We're getting pretty close, I think. We're getting pretty close. That that's got to be our new watch. Yeah. <laughs> well, nobody will be as bad as Shemi was, but 
I don't know. Jordan War is really trying. No, it's it's not good. So he he had a bad game. I do want to go back to Marjan because yes, he was really poor offensively, and we we should give him credit. We didn't really get a chance in the Thunder game. Uh, some really big three point shots in the fourth quarter, third second half, like. Defense was good from him. Offense, he wasn't doing too much. Uh, he didn't, you know, call his own number on offense. He just, the way he runs the floor offensively and knows like, okay, I'm just going to run to the corner. And he has that burst in the open court where he's able to beat pretty much all defenders to get to that corner. But then what's more impressive is gets the feed, turns and shoots and makes the three. Or at least in the Thunder game, he made it pretty consistently. Like, as with anything offensively with, uh, with Marjan, that's way more than I ever expected. So I think that's a good sign just that he's conceptually able to do that and executing at least a little bit didn't do in the Spurs game. But the other thing is he got the call to guard Keldon Johnson a lot and Keldon Johnson sort of is he's in like a DeJounte Murray kind of mold where again, a little lengthy, um, taller ish guard holds the ball a lot and tries to attack the rim quite a bit. He also, I don't know, Again, these are me just guessing numbers. I don't think he's much of a three-point shooter either. Marjan's lateral movement, his ability to stick and stay pretty much in front of a guy from the perimeter all the way into the paint, it's really impressive. Like, he may not have the strength to be able to just stand a guy up in the post, but he's not going to be the one that you need to help him out on because he'll stay in front and maintain contact with whoever it is pretty much consistently no matter who the matchup is now if there's a, sw- a switch he gets on a guy who's a lot bigger than them then it's obviously going to be a problem but in terms of guarding guards or middle-sized wings i thought this week was a standout week for marjan so even though he didn't do a lot offensively and he's been probably more of a negative on offense uh on average most games still a lot to take away defensively i think uh, this week especially from him you know what also hurts Milwaukee when you don't get a single fast break point? <laughs> your and your opponent gets twenty one. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking here. Yeah. This is and the Spurs have fifty points in the paint, and the Bucks have thirty two. Yeah. Um. Wait, hold on. It says the Bucks had twenty one offensive rebounds, though. Uh, yeah, we did. That's what it's. <laughs> the hell were, we, were they doing? Were they just doing tip drills to each other the whole time for every miss? <laughs> I think it was Ibaka and Portis each had five. (laughs) Brooke Lopez only had one of those. Like, what? Yeah. Okay. It was a Nora had three offensive rebounds. Okay. A lot of dudes. I I think it was a lot of dudes who were close to the rim, shot it, but did a poor job. So it just kind of hit the rim, bounced right back to them. And then that counts as an offensive rebound. And they shot it in also. Yeah. (laughs) Offensive rebounds, that means your field goal percentage is. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Which adds up. What do we think led the team with that aside from Javon Carter, who was the only player who did well? Five and seven for three for Javon Carter. Good from Javon. I, I'm just saying, NBA, you might have to give him Eastern Conference Player of the Week. It was a really good week from Javon. Yeah, I, I, the Spurs are well coached. Uh, they also want to suck, but Popovich is not going to let them suck. Uh, I don't know what I don't know what's going on with them. Like, how are they like, winning any games? Like, it just surprises me. I mean, when Keldon Johnson goes five of eight from three, yeah, that helps. I don't know. I'm looking at the rest You're of the, the first score. team they beat, though. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see who the Spurs have played and beaten. Maybe that will give me a good. Philly insight. is the other. Well, and one. and you look at the you look at the quarter by quarter. The Bucks never really got blown out, except for when we went garbage time in the fourth quarter and the game was over. 
you figure you have Giannis and Giroud there. Like none of this is at all concerning. This was literally like yeah. <laughs> we were starting Jordan Wara and Marjan. Like like you said, Julie, that that should be the red flag of like whatever happens here. This is free space. What what Kyle? I, I the Spurs had lost five in a row before playing the Bucks. So <laughs> no, they've they've beaten the Timberwolves twice. They beat the Bulls. They beat the Sixers, and they have beaten the Pacers. I'm just concerned for the Spurs fan base because I think they were hoping for Victor this, French guy. They would get their next. They would get their next international star to carry them for the yeah. next twenty years. Yeah, not this year. Popovich says. I'm sure the wheels will fall yeah. off. That's something he knows what the assignment is. Yeah, I don't know. Kind of a iffy week, but hard to really judge because Giannis and Drew are gone. Um, for each of you, any any final thoughts on the week that was? Anything you're going to take away from this week to carry forward? Um, despite the, this team isn't that bad, you know, when you are down, arguably other than Brooke and Bobby, you're probably down your top 10 players and you're still able to be competitive and win a game and then be competitive till the fourth quarter of another game, both on the road. I don't know. It's not the end of the world. I think it's at least there's stuff, there's signs and flashes of promises from a Marjan, from Javon Carter, from actually that's probably it. Brooke, I mean Brooke played forty five minutes and he played the next game, so that's it. that's good to see for a dude that had back surgery. Well, I think someone we haven't really mentioned yet is George Hill, who I think is, you know, like I think he's been pretty decent. Just overall, I mean, he hasn't been great. You know, he hasn't been bad. But, I, you know, he's all these people who we call old are like in better shape than 95 percent plus of 20 year olds, you know, like George and Brooke, like they can play 45 minutes and go back two days later and play again. You know, I feel like. Yeah, I think, yeah, George has been solid. I think he's played relative to the expectations that we have which is all we can really ask slightly better there there are times that i remember he was 13th right oh on our rank the roster yeah 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 or i guess that was the fan voting but But still yeah yeah still yeah he i'll be interested what bud does with him we talked about this last week i think where when people are all healthy how does the javon carter george hill minute split go in the hawks game especially in the second half where the offense was just Giannis trying to make something happen and it wasn't and Javon didn't really have an active role or um in the Spurs game it's like okay maybe throw George out there as like a reliable more reliable play creator than Javon is so is that something that Bud will go to is Javon playing too well for that to happen so I think George has been fine Wes has also been fine he's been almost a complete zero on offense, but that's to be expected. He just doesn't do much anymore. He's putting too much, so much energy into defending. And even now I'm starting to see moments for both those guys on defense. I'm like, Oh, you're, you're kind of, you're struggling, struggling to stay in front of whoever it is. Again, these are all young teams. So it's maybe this is just one offs and you only care about the playoffs, but uh, old guys haven't failed us yet, I guess is the through line. So. Maybe we could package a couple of them for something more young. Yeah. But we'll see. Like a Baca and Hill to somewhere for like, I don't know. I don't know how who would take that. but A desperate team that wants expiring contracts, <laughs> I hope, and has like a bad young player that we can do as like a reclamation. 
it's that's the reliable out. Yes, it's the Kings. Yeah. Okay. So that was the week that was uh, our second topic here. I just thought 12 games in, you know, it's not a huge, huge sample size, but it's something. Uh, we're still the best team in the league so far. I have a couple of trends here for you two. I want you to just, you know, what is real and what is not. So I'm going to give a trend, a topic, and you tell me, do you believe this is real, something sustainable, or is a little short term? Uh, is this something that's not going to last? So I will start with you, Kyle. I have Brooke Lopez here having his best defensive season ever as a professional basketball player. Um, he's has his highest second block, second highest block percentages entire career at 7.1. 2019, 2020, his second season in Milwaukee was a little bit better at 7.9, which is insanity. I'm trying to like even recall how crazy that would have been. Um, but we're by far the best defense in the league so far. Brooke has been a huge part of that. Um, some good uh, articles, which will be on the MMR, MMMR for that. Uh, Kyle, is Brooke Lopez's best defensive season ever real or ephemeral? I'd lean towards real. I I, I don't think he's going to surpass what he did in 1920, which I think the pandemic really robbed us of realizing just how good that Milwaukee team was before everything shut down. And Brooke was very vital for that. There's a reason why he made an all-defensive team because of it. So I'd lean towards real just because he's looked really, really good defensively. And I think it's only going to get better when he has Giannis out there, when he has, when the team is a little bit healthier as well. And, you know, you're not giving Jordan Wara 20 plus minutes. So I I feel positive that it's leaning more towards real than anything else. Yeah. Well, I remember like when they, he and his brother came out of Stanford and he was the offensive one and Robin was the defensive one. You know, and they're both on the same team and someone didn't win a championship. Like, that seems kind of crazy. But, um, so yeah, Brooke has come a long way. Like, he's become a completely different player. You know, he used to just be this offensive behemoth you'd throw down there, too, like a few times. Like, I feel like a Greg Monroe, but like a bit bigger comparison, perhaps. And then he became what he is now. Um, so I, he's not going to be this, but he's going like five bucks a game or whatever he's getting, but you know, he's, I can see him, you know, being more impactful in the paint than Giannis for sure, which says a lot. So I'd lean towards, it's going to probably going to stay. I agree. Uh, we're on year four or five of Brooke pretty much doing the exact same thing he's done since he got here and other teams have yet to figure it out. And his bionic back looks awesome. So shout out to Suki Hobson. Okay. Uh, second one, Javon Carter as a most improved player candidate. Uh, he's having by far the most minutes in his career ever, no matter what statistical category you pick points, shooting steals, assists, rebounds, whatever he's, this is his best career as a pro ever. Julie is Javon Carter in the mix for most improved player for who the bucks or the <laughs> nba <laughs> uh both what one or the other whichever you choose <laughs> for the bucks i mean you know i think he's got not a ton of competition i think you got jordan worth there uh, no jordan jordan's player. going the other direction unfortunately he's, he's, he's least improved <laughs> <laughs> i know but like who are going to give it to like Abaka, George Hill, Westman, like there's nobody to give it to. 
unless Pat somehow becomes like a fourth star or something like crazy like that. Um, as far as most improved player, I haven't looked around to see who's jumped out, but I think if we look at what the Spurs are doing, I think Keldon Johnson might be ahead of them there at least. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of who else we've played that might be ahead. Like, Sadik Bay could be ahead of them, or Isaiah Stewart from the Pistons. I think there's just a lot of options, and once the minutes go away, I think it's he's probably going to go away kind of too, you know. Yeah, I lean towards no mainly for that last point. The Once Jur is back, once Chris back, once Pat's back, how much is he going to – he'll still see the court, I'm sure, but – He's not going to have moments where he's going to be able to call his own number as frequently just because I'm going to assume like one of Giannis, Chris, or Drew will be out there. So they'll get the brunt of that offense. And then I also could just see other bigger names. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, I feel like it's going to be like, I don't know why. I feel like Tyrese Halliburton is like the guy that I could see winning it um, just because he's going to pad a lot of stats. Keldon Johnson's a good shot as well. Um but it's just, yeah, I, I'm just going to lean towards probably not. Yeah. Not because of lack of talent or anything. I just think at some point things are going to regress to the mean. I agree. I, I don't actually think he's going to be anywhere near the most improved player conversation, but more than the, but one on the jazz, maybe who like, cause like, where did that team come? Oh, from? like Laurie Markkinen. Yeah, he, he Laurie Markkinen could be, yeah. cause he's definitely taken a big step forward too. Um, it's yeah. the tough yeah. part is Javon's not going to have the minutes. And also his, what he does doesn't exactly scale all the well, like right now he's literally the guy holding the ball. Now that's not, not going to stop him from calling his own number in the future. Cause he will do that. Uh, because that's just, that's just what he does. Um, but minutes will scale down and then we still don't know how that fit will be long-term, whether or not Bud will go with him. So I agree. It's been a great start, much better than I think. I think about in line with what the Javon Carter optimists would have hoped for, if maybe a little bit above, but I think he's playing obviously above uh, where he's at. So, okay, here we go. Third one, Marjan Beauchamp can play basketball. Kyle, what say you? Is that real? Or are we, is that also, yeah. <laughs> I see a nodding, yeah. It's real. <laughs> yeah. It's real. I, it, I have been impressed with Bochamp more because I thought he was going to be a offensive zero, but his defense would be that good. And I think it's slightly going to be maybe his offense is a five out of 10 and it can get up to a six or seven on a good night while his defense was going to be probably hovering like seven, but can get up to eight or nine. And I think he's at least showing that he has tangible skills. We mentioned his open, his ability to run on the open floor, his ability to stay in front of this person is he's not that bad of a shooter. You know, I think that was something that we just base off of his G league stats and junior college. It just didn't seem like he was a good enough shooter. And that might be incorrect. You know, if he can shoot thir- around 35, that would be, I consider that a win. So I do think there is something there, and I do think he can play, um, which I'm very happy about because, yeah, there haven't been that many first-round picks that have uh, shown that capability in the rookie season. Like, even Dante, for all the hype and excitement we were hoping for him, he was still hurt for a good chunk of it. So 
Hopefully, Marshawn doesn't get hurt, but at the very least, it seems like the Bucks do have a rookie that you can put out on the floor, and it's not going to be such a large negative impact. We did forget about Jabari, too, but he was between Giannis and... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Damn it. Sorry, Jabari. That's that's It's about in line with the Jabari era, so it makes sense. I forgot about DJ Wilson too. Uh, no, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you what do you think, Julie? Is is is, is Marjan is Marjan a real basketball player? Do you think so? Well, he's a real basketball player. Okay, good. Just, <laughs> good. I'm not imagining him. I think, but no, I'm just kidding. But, um, <laughs> yeah, are we all having a collective fever dream? Is Marjan a real player? <laughs> is he a real person? What are we talking about? <laughs> But is he for like real on the court? I, I'm gonna wait because I feel like we had like a Noir game in his rookie year that might have got me a little bit excited too, like 20 points or something. I think we got to give him some time before we can. I don't want to pressure him and like anything like that. I just it just seems like the league right now is just so like fast with moving the fringe guys around. You know, like on the fringe roster. So I just, I want to give him some time. Okay. You know, I don't want to make a judgment on that after two games. I think, I think that's fair enough. Uh, there was somebody, I don't know who it was, and I apologize. It just probably isn't flattering anyhow. They were like, oh, I'm okay with trading Grayson because Marjan's ready for those minutes. So it was like, let's pump the brakes a tiny bit. Yeah, huh? I'm not there yet. <laughs> yeah. I'm not there. Yeah, you're not going to, you're not like, okay, we can trust him as part of the rotation. I think that's <laughs> overreaching by like a disgusting amount for sure. Like he's been fine, but for sure. if over Thanasis. He's, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. He's ranked up. He's above Thanasis and Mamu, I would say. Uh, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not even. Mama, I was say, you can know. say that. Adam's not here. You can say that. <laughs> Sorry, Adam, if you listen to this. Uh, yeah, no, he's. He seems like he can play, but he's he's got a long way to go. Okay, a uh, couple more. One more kind of long one, and then two quick ones, which I think are relatively easy to answer. So, Bobby Portis' offensive struggles. Maybe this is just in my mind, but I looked at the numbers. He's had his worst shooting percentages since he became a Buck. Um, a lot of them kind of down, like as bad as he was in, or bad to his level as when he was with Chicago or the the Wizards, which there's nothing notable. Bobby Bobby Portis is a bull or a wizard. Um, he has a career best 11 rebounds a game, which is pretty impressive for him. But uh, it, Kyle, you could say real or not. Um, maybe I'm just overemphasizing. I think in these, these past two games, I was just like, okay, you need somebody to step up offensively. And it feels like to me, Bobby just still hasn't hit that stride really. Yeah, I, I would agree, and I think he'll turn it around. I think I feel like most of the time the looks that he's getting are good; they're just not falling. So I feel confident that those open looks will start falling, and that will change things. But yeah, I I am not worried yet for Bobby. Yeah, I, it would be ideal if he could be that go-to guy, which with all the guys out. But I think. Better to get it out of the way now at the beginning of the season than at the end of the season. Yeah, Julie, what about you? What do you think? Is is am I over overdoing the Bobby stuff, or what do you think? Um, I was like disappointed that he wasn't the person, after, at least after Brooke in the first or not the first two games, the last two games. 
I feel like there was a game when he had his moments, like offensively. I forgot what game that was. I feel like it was one of the Pistons games. But of course, anybody could have that moment there. But um, I'm not worried about Bobby at this point. And yeah, I mean, he'll he'll be fine. Like, let me look at closer to stats, but I'm not I'm not too worried. Yeah. Like he's still fifth leading scorer, which is he's getting thirteen a game. Like that's kind of eleven rebounds. That's kind of what the eleven rebounds is high, but thirteen a game is what we kind of need from him. Yeah. So not too worried. Okay. And then the final ones here, you can combine it real quick. So twenty third rated offense in the entire league that feels about right so far at one ten point two, and the first rated defense in the league at one hundred four point two. I think that means we have a net rating fourth best in the league at like plus six something or whatever. Um, but Julie, are it, is the defense for, so I guess this one kind of jumps back is first overall sustainable. And then how much further past 23rd can we climb when everybody's back? Do you think? I, um, offense, I think can get to top half. Okay. I, I mean, we're already 23rd. We got a lot of teams to jump ahead of with that, but defense, Staying at one is hard. I don't know how far ahead we are in one. Um, that would help, but I think staying in the top five is an ex- acceptable. I get not acceptable, just like something that we could expect to see. Okay, but on about one the whole season. Yeah, right Especially now they the are schedule sucks. Almost four, like four point. They're currently three point. No, they are 4.3 ahead of Phoenix, who are second in defense rating. That's pretty damn good. Wow, Phoenix is second. Yeah, yeah Phoenix is second, tied with that. the Clippers for third. Phoenix and the Clippers are tied at 107.5. The Bucks are 103.8. So I think it's still relatively sustainable. I think, as we've seen, when Milwaukee wants to play defense and lock teams up, they have done a really good job, and I think having – Drew and Javon and Brooke and Giannis and you can throw Wes Matthews out there and that's a very good defensive five-man lineup offensively I, I think they'll climb a little bit higher I'm just looking at some of the teams that are ahead of them Chicago's ahead of them the Spurs the Magic the Heat I, I feel the Timberwolves like I feel confident that when the Bucks get healthy Magic <laughs> yeah, so that's why I'm like, I think when they're healthy, they'll start climbing ahead. The the Thunder are ahead of them, but I actually think the Thunder might continue to just be all gas, no breaks um, in terms of play basketball because they scored 145 points today <laughs> in regulation. Not this was not they scored 145 points today. So I take it back. I was worried about the 132 like ruining us, but like, yeah, we held that team to 132. Okay, and, and that took two overtimes <laughs> as well. Yeah. So okay, that offensive juggernaut out yeah. there, the, the, the Oklahoma City Thunder are an offensive juggernaut. So I feel okay that the Bucks will. Yeah, I, I can definitely see a top half uh, finish for them. Maybe not, I don't think I think top well, ten Middleton might be a, will come back. It, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm very curious how the p- parts are going to fit together because you're going to have Chris coming off of a pretty extensive break. So how long is it going to take for him to get um, in a rhythm? 
Uh, Joe Ingles towards ACL. He'll be a totally new piece. Pat has been out for a while. I think Pat will probably <laughs> slot in fine because he has a relatively limited role. Um, the main question I'll have is not so much where we end the season because I think a top half would be reasonable. We were third last year, and that was pretty much off the back of Giannis Christian Drew. The question remains, do we have enough there to overcome in the playoffs when we our offense crashes through the floor? And through a couple games, admittedly, without like Chris, for example, but we, we've struggled at times to score against some teams. That's been a consistent problem, and uh, we'll just have to see when we're fully healthy if that fixes. But I think the defense is for real, and the offense should climb. Probably not a, like a top five but top 15 around 10 would not surprise me whatsoever so yeah that's where we're at 12 games through that i mean all those predictions could be silly they're probably mostly close to real and we'll see and uh nobody will go back and look at this segment anyhow so we'll be fine even if we were wrong so that takes care of the first half of the podcast we're going to take a quick ad break and on the other half we got rapid fire uh, kyle's film review predictions and maybe a little bit more we'll be right back and we're back okay Rapid fire. This is my first one of the season, I think, writing the questions myself. A couple simple ones, I think. Um, we'll go with Kyle for the first one to start. A favorite, favorite artist you've discovered this year? M- uh, musician. If you have some other form of art, you're more than welcome, but musician. Yeah, no, her. this is tough. I will say... I feel like there's like three that I'm like hovering on, but I'll say uh, Thames, uh, Nigerian artist. She actually wrote some of the music for the new Black Panther soundtrack. Um, she's just she's been featured in with like Drake and Future and Wizkid. Like she she has been a star. I just didn't notice because I never. I feel like I didn't get into the Afrobeats side of music until probably last year or two. So I would say that's the biggest art. That's probably been my favorite uh, out of the new ones I've noticed. Okay. Julie. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't really found a whole lot of new stuff, I guess. Like I've been doing a lot more like bringing back some older things. Any yeah. any particular thing jumping out from there? Then, if you if you have if you pulled up whatever to listen to right now, who would be like the artist you'd most likely to go to? Rihanna. Yeah, uh, she does qualify for old because she does stuff new. Like she's not, she's not old. She's not old, but she does qualify for like old school, I guess. Because like aside from that Black Panther song, everything's six years old or more that she's done so it's been a while for her so i guess like that new black panther song is kind of i guess a new artist because she did not sound at all like herself or she did but like not like snm or work kind of music it was very different so she was kind of kind of new there like different vibe from her for sure cool um second question julie we'll start with you ideal sandwich you could do Type of bread, toppings, uh, condiments. What, what makes your ideal sandwich? Hot, cold, to you know, go go with this direction, whatever you want. Yeah, definitely got to be hot. Um, like, yeah, I just not a huge fan of cold food. It's never have been, but I mean, sourdough 
bread and like maybe I'll do a cheese steak or something, okay. you know, or yeah, I'll go with the cheese steak. Okay. You know, make sure there's mushrooms and peppers on there, not just one or the other, you know, along with the onions. Yeah. Got to actually have good steak, not, not like that cheap crap that they throw on there. Like, like from like, I don't even know. I don't even know where it even has a good cheese stick anymore. You know, yeah, just I, just like chop up a one. porterhouse and throw it on there. Yeah. Kyle, ideal sandwich. Um, I'd say for bread, it has to be. Uh, it sounds basic as hell, but a sourdough. It's got to be on a sourdough. Um, for meat, I would say ham or pastrami. Big fan of that. It's got to be hot. Got to have cheese on it. Lettuce. And then I would say like a, I'm not a big mayo person, but like I can do a spicy mayo. I can't do regular mayo, but like a spicy mayo, I think you could throw on there or like some kind of aioli thing. I don't know, but it's got to at least be hot. So that would be probably my ideal sandwich. Okay. Uh, This one's pretty simple, Kyle. Uh, Do you believe aliens exist? Yes. Okay, Julie, <laughs> you can, you don't have to. You can elaborate if you want. Uh, it's <laughs> no, okay. Yeah, you can elaborate while I think. <laughs> um, I mean, I feel it's at this point that maybe at one point I would have said no, but it, it there's just been too many bizarre things that have happened in my lifetime now for me to think otherwise. So <laughs> I don't know about the whole Area Fifty One part. Like, I think that was always over exaggerated, but. Probably. So, so you both believe aliens exist and they like visit or are no, no, no. Conti- continually visiting the Earth. I never said I believed it. No, no. For Kyle, is to Kyle, you believe oh. that they exist and they continue to visit. Like they're they're with us. In oh some no, I'm saying they exist, but I don't think like the whole Area 51 okay, okay, thing. Okay. I don't know if I believe that, but I believe that they exist and they were they might be flying around. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, Julie. What do you what do you think? Do you think aliens exist? Um, I don't think we've conceptualized them accurately. I think it would be something totally unexpected, like something we haven't even like thought of in our brains that will, that would show up if they do exist. So I'm going to lean towards, they might as well not, because I don't see them coming in the next 50 to 60 years while I'm still alive. Okay. Fair enough. So. But I don't, when they do exist, they're, it's going to be like, yeah, it's not going to look anything like any of the movies have ever described aliens. How how quickly do the aliens show up and people start clowning on them on Twitter? Is that like five minutes? Uh, <laughs> Twitter will not exist <laughs> okay, by then, right. first of all. <laughs> yeah. It depends on how weird they look <laughs> and how like violent they are. Yeah. But like, <clears throat> I heard somebody say like, if aliens were to be able to like, find us they'd be like way too like i'm quoting woke to like be like aggressive i guess just with like their technology progressivism i suppose this you know? is true but they probably wouldn't even mess with us be like look how stupid that is like yeah like, they'll find twitter like this they'll is probably dumb. see us as like <laughs> they probably see us as like stupid things yeah. and whatever but well, shout out shout know, out they gotta be super advanced we didn't have no chance shout out to the aliens it's not independence day <laughs> will smith will solve it shout out to the aliens that i'm sure are listening final question uh julie and kyle 
Can you write in cursive? I've tried to. Let me let me try it out right now. <laughs> yeah, I'll give it. I'll give it a quick. Okay. Quick I, I I asked because I write exclusively in cursive, so I always like to see if other people. Not capital cursive. Um. This is scintillating listening for everybody at home as Kyle and Julie. He writes the better yeah, curve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. There we go. Uh, kinda. Kinda. Uh, like, okay. So Not bad from Julie. The, the D was a little tough, but the, everything else looked, looked pretty good. Right. The only problem with the D was the circle part of the yeah. D. Otherwise, like, I thought that was pretty good. All right, Kyle. The first one I was trying to say stare, and the second word is supposed to be hello. Okay, so it looks like stove. The hello is really good. It looks like stove. Yeah. Or stove. Yeah. (laughs) I I think it's that transit. I'm just not good at the transition for like. I'll give it to Kyle. (laughs) Well, he also had two words. Yeah, I I mean, hello, I knew I could could write hello in lowercase. Like that one I felt confident in. Is hello harder to write than Madison? Oh, I, I no, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I'll I'll go ahead and give it to both of you guys. You can both write in cursive. It probably Thanks. probably hurt your hands a little bit, but uh, okay. It, it, it took a lot of brain power to do it. <laughs> I had surgically repaired right hand that I write with, so it actually did hurt a little. Yeah. Sorry mm-hmm. about that. That's what you get yeah. with the podcast. We coming on the Brew Who podcast, physical pain, <laughs> um, which is what everybody says at home when they listen. But up, uh, all right, on words to Kyle's film review this week. Kyle, what do you got for us? An old, well, okay, it's not that old, but if it feels old because it came out earlier this year, I have Top Gun Maverick. Um, I'm not gonna lie, when I heard this movie was coming out, I thought this is a cash grab. Like we did, we talked about Hocus Pocus too. I've talked about plenty of other movies that had no right existing because it only existed to be a cash grab. This was really good. This was actually a really good movie. And even though it had been what almost like thirty something years since the two movies, I think they did a good job at tying that together, where it still felt like a Top Gun movie. But if they wanted to continue the franchise without Tom Cruise, they could feasibly do it. So, no, I think the action scenes were good. The comedy was good. I, I think it was very, I think it was just very well done how that story went. But, um, yeah, I, I was actually pleasantly surprised with it. It was, yeah, I was entertained. So I'll give it a 7 out of 10. Didn't feel like a cash grab sequel that didn't need to exist. I think it was a well done movie that you again you can make a franchise out of it now and you don't have to have tom cruise like you can have this next like generation of cast take over do you has it been said are they going to make another or are they they mom on that so far i think so and i can look but i feel like tom cruise is also one that's like yeah i'll keep doing it like mission impossible he keeps doing it it's like brah we you've been doing this for like 25 years are you gonna be done with it and he's like no i'm good (laughs) he's like as long as i can surgically look you know 10 ish years younger than I actually am. I'm going to keep going for it. Yeah. Uh, did you have you? I'm assuming you saw the first Top Gun. I had to rewatch the first one, like before I saw the second one to like get an idea of how it was just because I was like, it had been it had been a while since I saw the first one. Yeah. But I, I still think the first one is better. But yeah, like I said, that's not I, I still enjoyed the second one very much. And then the final question, I heard that you had to see this in uh, IMAX. Did you see, where did you watch it? Did you just On watch an airplane? It? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
it was on yeah. it was on the airplane it was for free i was like hell yeah i'm gonna watch this yeah, like that does look like planes to me i think on, on that screen yeah, yeah i was like i mean this is and i am i am fearful of flying but i don't know why like it just it was a good distraction yeah. but no it looks like in may of 2022 miles teller stated that he had been pitching a follow-up film centered around his character to the studio oh He's so, just one of the actors saying you should keep this going and make me the lead. Well, he was kind of like he was kind of like the main like oh, co-star okay, okay. with Tom Cruise. Right. So it would make sense that if they wanted to continue, it would be centered around him. Yeah, I heard a lot of good things and uh, you have good taste. So I'm I'm glad that you also conform. With yeah, that. I would recommend watching okay. it. Yeah, cool. All right. The next segment here. This is the debut of it. Um this is Julie. If she, if for any future podcast appearances, the way that I'm going to word this is the view from up there. It's the Dan Gadzarich social media update and pole dancing. So Julie, and whatever, we'll workshop the title of the segment. But separate, they're separate things. <laughs> yeah, they they don't they're they don't necessarily cross over. I but think. we're going to get an update on what Dan Gadzarich is up to, uh, and then also a insight from Julie about pole dancing. Well, I just did a. You know, I figured I'm going to go down the Dan Gazarich rabbit hole again. Um, so, yeah, he's had 11 seasons, eight with the Bucks. Um, he also spent time in both New York teams and with the Warriors. Um, but his best days were obviously with the Bucks. Only two games with the Knicks in his last year. Kind of disappointing, but, well, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Dan God's reach. I have linked his Instagram into like our meeting. Um, you guys listening probably just type in Dan God's reach Instagram. You'll find it. Um, he's got two thousand follow plus followers, which you know seems about right. <laughs> I feel like I could have that many. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not sure what is going on in all these pictures. It looks like he went to a jazz game. Um. You know, he, it looks like he's, I mean, he's really tall though. So I'm not sure how old these kids are, but it looks like one of them graduated high school or college lately. Um, and it looks like he's somewhere tropical. So that's what's going on with Dan Gadzarich right now. He, he is just there traveling was, all over the world. Like he was in Aruba yeah. getting a fresh haircut. He is. <laughs> yeah, he he's, in, he's living the life. Like, does, does Is it to you guys, does he look a little awkward in some of the photos? Like he doesn't know how to pose himself. He's like just... Just stand normal, Dan. Like his arms are. I like... know how he was on the court. I feel like he's just, he keeps forgetting that he is like almost seven foot, and everyone around is like a foot short. He's just like I don't know what to do with this. Yeah, like just bring the arm in. Bring the like... arm in a little bit. His he hangs the left arm. Maybe he's just like is that jacked or something? But he or he has yeah. shoulder problems. But he's just his left arm is kind of hanging out a little too further than should be comfortable. Well, he's just like, I mean, that's why I was like, I don't know how old these kids are because like. If you look at a normal Instagram without knowing the person seven feet tall, you're like, that kid could be 10, 11, 15 even, you know, but like, not, they're like six feet, but they're right. also grad <laughs> I was going to say, like, his but... son does not look short, but the problem is he looks short compared to him. They're taller than, they're taller than me. Yeah. You know, but um, it just doesn't look like it. Like, when I was watching, or no, I was, I was Hermione for Halloween, and apparently... The actor who plays Harry Potter is only five five, but you like don't think of him as being short, oh, yeah. you know, well, which make, which is why everybody was so much taller than him in the movie. 
it's not like that Harry Potter found a whole bunch of like six two people to play other parts. They were just normal regular sized people. So like just looking on screen can be deceiving. I guess. You know, yeah, I was gonna say basketball. I would not have been convinced this guy had played basketball if I like looked at his Instagram. There would be nothing to indicate that he was a <laughs> <Right>. basketball player. <laughs> yeah, and like I know, just with Hyde too, like I looked at Paschke compared to Marcus Johnson, like when they're standing next to each other, I'm like, Paschke looks like he's some like short Daniel Radcliffe sized person. He is. You know, I've like, I've I've stood next to I interrupted Jim while he was eating a salad before a game. He is he is not that tall. I towered over Jim. I could take uh, Jim one on one in a game of Okay. <laughs> so they just put him on like a stool next to Marcus then. <laughs> hey Mo, okay. I don't, I don't That's know. what I thought. I thought they tricked me. See what I mean? Like I was like, huh, Jim's like six two. Yeah. Oh, he's five two or something. Yeah. Shout out Jim Paschke. Yeah. Jim Pesh, Miss Jim Paschke. And then the the other half of the the view from up there, yeah. tall Dan Ged's reach, and I assume when somebody's up on a pole, oh, I get it yeah, now. there we go. That's the connection. Yeah. We'll workshop it. I understand. So so tell us I about the so you said a bowl dancing class. Well, the view actually today didn't get that high because we've been doing a lot of inverting, which means you're flipping up. You know you're. Mm-hmm. like entirely like your feet are at the top so like your head is lower so the view wasn't that high up but you know it takes a lot of a lot of core strength it's a lot of fun i don't know i don't know what else to say about it i was gonna say i feel like those are one of those things where it's like it act it it looks so hard because it probably like it seems like you have to have that core strength that arm and shoulder strength and the flexibility is just like i don't have any of those things but <laughs> To go invert, yeah. that, that's actually pretty impressive. Like, do that yeah. on a pole. And nobody taught me. I just tried it. I'm like, I'm going to go up there. And I kicked the pole and then slid down. It's very dangerous. Sure. <laughs> I could do this. That's like classic, <laughs> famous <laughs> last words. Watch this. <laughs> Let's see what... <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I, I, got a, I got the foot around, though, and then I'm like, uh, 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 what do, the, the exit strategy? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what. Last, you, just, you just gotta let yourself slide. It's with so many of the acrobatics. Is I think a lot of it comes down to, from what I gather. I mean, obviously, I have no idea. Besides, like elementary school gymnastics that you do as like a six year old. Um, but you have to like just really commit to whatever the move is. If you halfway go for it, you're putting yourself in possibility of serious danger. And also, mm-hmm. the way that you exit out of it is critical. And you have to commit to the exit as much as you do with the entrance, or at least from what I, you know, what I gather. The invert exit almost always is you just start sliding down. You just and try to be. Slow. You just hit your head on the floor and just say, "Okay, I'm there." Is that well, like you're not going to be like, I, I don't know how to do this. Um, <laughs> like here's the ground. It's not going to be like. It's not going to be like yeah. that. It's going to be like. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you for Once for those like, listening you try at home, to like lean forward. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, sorry, I you don't hit the very top of your scalp. You try to like go to your neck and then. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like you're rolling a little, and yeah. Is this fun. class every yeah. week, or is it kind of just like a? Show well, this was the open one, which is why I was trying stuff. Okay. <laughs> this is an open session, but I have a weekly one on Mondays at eight, which is why I missed the Hawks game. 
But and I don't know why I will miss the other Hawks game. <laughs> why you'll miss the next yeah. one. Hawks game, pole uh-huh. dance. I paid for pole yeah. dance. So very cool. I'll do that. Very cool. But yes. So next so when anybody listening to this is thinking, hey, it's the Bucks game and oh Julie's off at her pole dancing class. Yes, that's exactly right. Monday nights, folks. Okay. Write it down. Keep it in your mind. <laughs> very cool. There's not that many, don't write it down. <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, that's. I think that segment has. We'll get the Dan Gads reach updates, and uh, we'll get the pole dancing updates. I think that segment has legs. We'll just workshop the title of it. Okay. Final thing here, as we do every week, predictions for the week ahead. Uh, this week, three games again. As Julie just said, we played the Hawks again for the thirtieth time this year on Monday. We're at home. Uh, on Wednesday, we host the Cavaliers, the upstart Cavs, who I believe are 10 and 3, so they're half game behind the Bucks. Um, and then back out to Philadelphia on Friday. Can't believe we're playing another away game there um, to face the Sixers. Kyle, what do you think wins and losses this week? I'm going to say 1 and 2. I just I don't know if Giannis and Drew are coming back for the Hawks game. I'm going to lead towards no. So that's why I think they... Lose to the Hawks, lose to the Cavs, but beat the Sixers because it's the Sixers. And I feel like they're going to want to make I, – I, I feel confident of a – I say one and two. Actually, no, two and one, two and one. I think they'll lose to the Hawks and win the other two. I talk myself into it. Julie, you're the biggest Sixers believer on the staff. Uh, what do you say for this week <laughs> in terms of the Bucks' win and losses in those three's game? What would you guess? Yeah. I say for the first game, which is very conclusive, I think this is one we'll wind up taking, but I wouldn't be surprised if we lost either. And without Giannis and Drew, I don't think there's a chance of winning any of these games. These are all pretty tough teams. Um, And then Cleveland, I'm really high on Cleveland. Um, You know, but I mean, we'll see. I think... The Allen Mo- if Allen and Mobley can kind of like mature, I think they could cause a lot of problems for us. I think Garland and Mitchell are the best backcourt in the East. Um, and that might be a stretch, but I don't think it is. But um, so, and then Philadelphia, I can't, ex- especially if we have people back, I can't expect Philadelphia to be better suited to win than last time. We have Middleton, they don't have Harden. That's the one I think is a win. Or we at least have, at least for sure, they don't have Harden. Like, so I don't see how they're in a better position. So I'll say 2-1 and one this week. I don't know if they'll beat the Hawks or the Cavs. But they'll win one of them, lose one of them, beat the Sixers. I'm also going to go 2-1. and one. I think the Cavs is the perfect, like, upstart team that is really hot. And we're still sort of banged up. And that'll be their, like they're coming of age moments like, Oh, the Cavs are, they're legit. Like they beat the bucks on the road at, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like I could see that happening for sure. Um, Hawks, I think we'll get a revenge uh, win over them. It'll be interesting with Trey young. And then I think we'll beat the Sixers as well. So I think uh, two and one as well. Um, and I think Cavs do become the Hawks. We play them like four weeks in a row again. Oh no. Yeah. The Cavs take over for that. Okay. <sighs> I feel like it went from Pistons to Hawks to now Cavs, and I just need to talk to the NBA about this schedule. Yeah. It's such a weird schedule, and I think I'm going to – if you look at my article tomorrow, you'll see more. But um, a lot of home games, 
not a lot of good teams. And then the we don't even go out west until February. Sounds like, like a 10-game win streak to me. <laughs> New Orleans doesn't count as west. Minnesota doesn't count as west. We don't go out all the way out there until February. And we go out there three times and after that, which is just such a weird schedule this year. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. I feel like if you're not changing time zones going west, it, it doesn't count as going west. Six six game homestand to open up the year, too. Like, I I don't know. <laughs> so weird. We thank the NBA schedule makers for giving us the best start in franchise history, and it only yeah. it only gets harder from here. Uh, much as I really much as I thank Julie and Kyle for coming on the podcast this week, uh, that'll do it for us. Um, as usual, check out everything of our brew hoop. I got my Monday morning media roundup, got the extended forecast, Adam's Wednesday weekly wrap up, um, and a whole bunch more. All the game coverage you could want, and of course, the podcast. Follow us on Twitter. All the usual stuff. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you again next week.